Welcome to the Optimal Body Podcast. I'm Doc Jen. And I'm Dr. Dom. And we are doctors of physical therapy, bringing you the body tips and physical therapy pearls of wisdom to help you begin to understand your body, relieve your pains and restrictions, and answer your questions. Along with expert guests, our goal of the Optimal Body Podcast is really to help you discover what optimal means within your own body. Let's dive in. So in this PT Pearl, we're talking into the specifics of piriformis syndrome. And naturally, Jen and I always want to bring things back to our base, our foundation, that being our feet and how much our feet affect our movement so much throughout the chain from our knees to our hips to our low back. So when we're talking piriformis syndrome, we need to make sure our feet are moving well, flattening into the ground, having the strength and the requisite mobility that allows our body to move throughout the entire chain. And that's why Jen and I use Vivo Barefoot Shoes. We wear them for everything. We wear them for working out, walking around our neighborhood when it's winter in Minnesota, and especially coming into winter now, it's important to have shoes that still support our feet, but keep them warm in the winter months. I absolutely love all of the boot options that Vivo has. They have all-weather boot options that allow us to walk through the snow. I use them when we're in Minnesota, so they are a great option regardless of the weather you're coming into. We have a special discount for our podcast users, only 15% off. If you go down to the link in the show notes and click it, it will give you that discount code OPTIMAL for 15% off. And Vivo always has a 100-day risk-free trial, so you can try those shoes out. And if you don't have the right size, or if you're not completely satisfied, you can send them back and get a full refund or get another size, another style. Go try your Vivo Barefoots today. They will help your overall health, your overall movement so much just by slowly transitioning into a more minimalist barefoot style shoe. Check out the link in the show notes and make sure you get your 15% discount. We've had a code change, so make sure you use code T-O-B so that you get 15% off. That is T-O-B, like the Optimal Body Podcast. Talking into piriformis syndrome or that pain in the booty. (laughs) (laughs) Now, we've actually done a podcast on this before, so we explain and kind of break down exactly what it is, the anatomy that goes into it, the anatomy of other muscles around the hip and and how this all makes up along the sciatic nerve and all of those things. So if you want to listen to that and get a little bit more into the anatomy and really the pathology of what piriformis syndrome is and how it came to be, I would highly recommend listening to episode 130. Um, That's just going to help break it down a little bit more. We really want to kind of dice through you know, getting you to the point of like, what is, what is it that I want to be focusing on and why? Yeah, what can I do for this? Yeah. And, you know, really the piriformis, it's just, it's just one muscle. And we like to focus on this because often the sciatic nerve either runs right below or sometimes goes right through the piriformis in people. And so that's where we want to associate piriformis issues with sciatic type symptoms. It can cause symptoms very similar to sciatic pain or sciatica um, because it can kind of entrap that nerve. But there are also people who say, I mean, we've got a lot of hip rotators. I mean, the Mm -hmm. piriformis essentially externally rotates the hip. So it's one of those deep gluteal muscles that lies under our big buttock muscles. (laughs) Buttock, it's one of my favorite words. Um, But And so should we be calling this more of a deep gluteal syndrome rather than piriformis syndrome? Again, it doesn't really matter what we call it because really all that tells us is what we're feeling like okay deep gluteal syndrome 
we're just feeling a pain in the butt that might be going down the leg a little bit. Mm -hmm. And I actually hate just when we really narrow our scope of focus on one tiny little muscle and say, this is the issue because, well, what led to that being the issue? Yeah. What's the overall issue, right? The root cause here. Yeah. And usually it's not just one muscle like, okay, well, why did that those glutes in that area feel the need to like kick on and feel the need to to compress and tighten and will just smashing into something really help to relieve that well maybe in the moment it can help to relieve some tension and pressure but then if it goes back into it or if you need that that tension release that that foam rolling or that manual technique you know into your glutes every single time well then are we actually getting to the issue probably not I mean, we'd like to name all these diagnoses and disorders after specific muscles, after specific nerves, and then just attack that muscle or nerve like that's going to solve the problem. But in reality, the piriformis or the sciatic nerve is being irritated because of some other lack or some other deficiency in our body. And, um, you know, one thing that we can look at, especially if it's nerve related, like we've likely irritated that nerve and things are riding high. And we just had a guest on our podcast that brought up this great analogy of, you know, a cup of water. Uh, our cup should normally start maybe a quarter full in the day. And that three quarters that is still empty, you know, represents all of the stressors that we can take on before, you know, the water starts pouring out and we start feeling pain or we start mm-hmm. feeling symptoms. Once we have irritated this, this area, then piriformis, sciatic area, our cup is starting 50% full. 75% full and we have a lot less space of stimuli or stressors that we can put into that cup before we start feeling symptoms. Mm-hmm. So what else can we do in our life to empty that cup? You mm-hmm. know, there's there's so many things that whether we're focusing on a little bit better sleep, whether we're focusing on what we put into our body as far as what we eat, drinking more water and staring, staying hydrated, getting electrolytes in, all these different things that we can do to just empty that cup a little bit more and give ourselves a little bit more of a buffer before we even start looking at our movement. Exactly. But then when we do start looking at our movement, I think something that's really crucial and important when it comes to this cup analogy is if we're always doing the same movement over and over again, and we're not providing a balance of movement, well, then we're going to overflow in one area. And that's where we can get that overflow just from the movement aspect. And I do think it was cool that now You know, I think what's hard when we look at the studies is that there is no one gold standard in terms of what movement practice you should do for piriformis syndrome. And so we did talk about um, some things that are really important and crucial to look at when we when we discussed in episode 130. So we're going to keep that as is and dive into something different when it comes to movement for this podcast episode. Um, So definitely that's still a great one to go listen to because we talk about other aspects of what you can look at and what can can be contributing to to what you're feeling, to the root cause pain. Um, But in general, you know, if I'm only strength training, which is great, or if I'm only running, like all these things are great, right? If you're only doing yoga, if you're only doing CrossFit. Yes. Like, well, then we're missing another aspect, right? If I'm only stretching, I'm missing strengthening. If I'm only strengthening, I'm missing some some down regulation and some mobility work. So we like, how do we get both and in, in the picture so that we're not, we're kind of not allowing that cup to over overfill just in one area. That's really what we want to continue to look at, especially when it comes to piriformis syndrome or any kind of pain syndrome. 
Yeah, there's got to be some sort of balance. And if yeah. we are, you know, in kind of our routine and in this, this rut of life, not, rut, not, not necessarily being a bad thing, but if we're just cruising along in life, we're probably not paying attention to some things as much as we could be. Yeah. And then when we start feeling symptoms, we think they just came on like that all of a sudden, but it's likely been building up over time that we've been filling up this cup to the point where we don't have as much space as we used to. So yeah. we're going to just kind of go over all sorts of things you can do to kind of assess. And as you're assessing, address um, mobility and strength and lumbopelvic interactions mm -hmm. between our low back and our hips and pelvis and how all of that can kind of play into us maybe overstressing the piriformis or that gluteal area or maybe resulting in that wanting to activate and hold more tension. Right, exactly. Because even when we look at the breakdown of how we stand on a normal day-to-day -day basis, which no, we can't say that posture dictates pain or anything like that, but we know that being in one position over and over and over again can produce some symptoms that we start to feel. That's exactly what we're talking about, right? So if I'm always kind of like tucked under or I'm slumped down a lot, well, then I'm putting that that kind of resting tension into my glutes kind of in that uh, more of like a tightened position, like going from my glutes to my hamstrings, I'm kind of in a more compressive state where if I'm then more open or more hyperlodotic where I, I throw my hip bones forward or I stick my booty out, well, then I might be a little bit more putting putting tension in a different way where I'm elongating through my hamstrings or I'm opening up and I don't have full control of my glutes and my hamstrings then. So we want to start to look at, okay, am I putting too much tension? Am I not putting tension on? Like, how can I start to find a balance? And that's where bringing awareness to our overall, you know, lumbopelvic region. So what is my pelvis doing through movement? What is my rib cage doing in relationship to my pelvis? This can start to drive a lot of the symptoms that we're feeling and help us to feel something different, which is ultimately what we want to do. Yeah. And just the symptoms itself, you know, we mentioned at the beginning that this can be related to sciatic type symptoms. Yeah. And often when we get a classification of piriformis syndrome or disorder, you know, we're impacting that sciatic nerve in some way, shape, or form. And that sciatic nerve runs all the way from our low back down through our toes, essentially through its kind of terminal branches. And so a great place to start is is looking at some um, lower extremity or leg nerve flosses, mm -hmm. you know, because there's a few different ways that you can do that. And, and that's going to help you assess like, okay, do I have a lot of tension in my nerves and a great way to do that is just start by laying on your back have one leg kind of straight laying flat on the ground holding underneath the other leg and as you extend your knee keep those toes kind of tucked and pointed back down towards your body so you're going to straighten the knee point the toes towards your body and then let off and then what that's going to do is kind of put a stretch of sorts through that sciatic nerve yeah, tensioning the nerve. tensioning through that sciatic nerve and help you see like if you feel that significant in one leg and maybe that's the side you have more of those piriformis symptoms on then try the other leg do you feel it a little bit less okay that's telling you something mm -hmm. this sciatic nerve is a little bit hot it's got a little more tension through it and so doing a few of those flosses every once in a while throughout the day 
could help to just bring more awareness to that nerve. Or even just starting with it in the morning. And anytime we're, we're addressing the nerve, we don't want to be really aggressive with it. So if pulling your toe back towards you is just like, really like, oh my gosh, that elicited a lot of symptoms or that, that felt a lot through my leg, then we definitely want to start backing off by even just not pulling the toe back and pulling the just pointing the toe up toward the ceiling, you know? So we have different levels of kind of stressing that nerve. And we just want to make sure that we're not over tensioning, over stretching, overdoing it. And that's also why I don't like the hamstring stretch. And I'll put hamstring in quotes because I don't think it's a true hamstring stretch. When you get the strap and you put it on your foot and you pull the foot back towards you, or you're sitting on the ground and you have to pull your toes back towards you, that's a nerve stretch. We're getting, we're tensioning the nerve. And then we're asking to hold in that position. That's a lot of tension for a nerve. So I, I don't like doing that. I think more of an active movement of that leg and, and kind of assessing how far back that foot can go is really important to just start to build that, that mobility through the nerves. Our nerves mm-hmm. get to move through those tissues so that they're not feeling like they're taking on a lot more sensitivity. So even just getting more neural glide is going gonna, is gonna to help. One thing that I like with um, sciatic nerve flosses is there are a few different ways you can do that where if you start to kick your knee straight and you have your toes pointed towards you, try kind of pointing them towards you and inward. So you're you're going a little more towards the big toe or then going out towards the pinky toe or then point your toe and then, you know, point your toe toe towards the ceiling and then kind of angle it towards that big toe. And again, we'll have video of this on YouTube if you want to get a, a visual of kind of what we're talking about. But that, that, it helps you target different terminal branches or branches as they go down the leg of that sciatic nerve. And so then again, that can even more so tell you, okay, where is this tension being held as it goes down the leg? Is one of those, you know, feeling a lot more intense than the other that can maybe help you understand where to target that nerve tensioning or that nerve floss activity. And then kind of like you were mentioning earlier, we want to pay attention to the pelvis and the rib cage Mm -hmm. and our just core stability because that's a great way that we can, again, help find central stability so we're not feeling like we need to find stiffness or you know extra mm-hmm. tension in that piriformis or gluteal region. Yeah, exactly. So one of our favorite ways to start to do that is just becoming aware of where we're breathing from. Um, because this naturally helps to kind of stack that rib cage over the pelvis and and kind of draw in where we're feeling that core work. So something we talk about all the time, you could do this listening right now, is just taking your hands, wrapping it around that low rib cage, giving it a little tiny bit of a squeeze. And then as you take a breath in, a nice slow breath in from your nose, you want to feel that pressure going into your hands. So now it's not just a belly breath. It's definitely, we don't want a vertical chest breath. We just want this nice little expansion from the sides. And then do a long, slow breath out. And what you'll notice on that breath out, hopefully, is that the rib cage starts to drop. And as you breathe all that air out, you're going to compress and kind of wrap around into the ribs and into um, that core. And that's where we start to build that good deep core pressure, not rounding, not sucking the belly in, not doing anything crazy, but we're just using the breath to start to guide 
what's happening from our diaphragm down to our hips. And that's going to help to kind of compress into this inner core and get us more aligned and stacked in a more ideal position from where we want to then move the extremities from. And then once we get used to doing that breath, whether we're laying down or sitting or somewhere that's a little bit more of a controlled environment, can we maintain that breath and that coordination when we're doing something a little bit more active? So Mm -hmm. say, you know, you, you talked about pelvic positioning even, say we get on all fours in kind of this quadruped position on your hands and knees, and then we want to try doing some of this breath work while we're even doing simple pelvic tilts. So almost like you're doing a cat cow or a cat camel exercise. And as you inhale, try to feel that expansion. And then as you exhale, try to feel that rib cage drop down and then start to coordinate that with a little bit more of a, of a pelvic tilt. So on the inhale, maybe you're going into a little bit more of an anterior tilt. And then mm. on an exhale, you're going into a posterior pelvic tilt. Mm. Yeah. I mean, either way, you can go <laughs> explore, then, yeah, explore and then flip it both flop ways. That because again, we're not paying attention to this consciously as we are moving throughout our day. You know, we might be inhaling when we're in more of a anterior or posterior pelvic tilted position. So we always want to just be able to maintain having some dynamic core stability regardless of what that pelvis is doing yeah exactly so starting to play with it in all different directions or even even if you hold more of like a bird dog where your opposite arm opposite leg is out and we're not trying to move at all we're not trying to rotate we're not trying to let our back drop but we're getting those good big expansive breaths from that rib cage to that to that pelvic floor you know that's going to really help to drive in that that central core stability that we're kind of talking about. Because once we get this inner core kind of dialed in, that's when we can start to build on the other outer core, which does happen to be more of our obliques and our glutes and how that plays a role into the pelvic floor and all of that. So then we can start, I mean, I think one of the things that's most important when it comes to a pain that you're feeling in a certain area is that the end goal here is to is to tolerate more load it's not to always be taking away you know that tension and that pressure and doing all these passive stretches or doing all this foam rolling into that area that's that's only attacking the symptom ultimately the goal is to tolerate more load because through life we move we bend we walk we lift we do things so that has to be like we have to be active in working toward how are we going to load into our hip better yeah and before loading we often want to check and assess how our hip range of motion is mm-hmm. and you know when's the last time you've checked or assessed your hip rotation mm-hmm. <laughs> whether that be internal or external rotation i mean one that we'd love to talk about is the 90/90 where you're kind of sitting with you know, one leg in front of you, one leg kind of behind or out to the side, that back leg is going into internal rotation, front leg is going into external rotation. But even if you wanted to just actively check this on your back before you get into that position, lay on your back, hold underneath one of your legs and try to just actively almost windshield wiper that leg out to the side to go into internal rotation. I do not have much internal rotation on either side and then do the same. (laughs) So we'll show that on YouTube. And then do the same into external rotation by bringing that foot in Uh, my external rotation is quite a bit better. But then to get into a passive stretch that you can then go into more of an activation of internal and external rotators, get into that 90-90, lean forward into that front leg, keeping the chest nice and tall, sit there for a breath or two, and then kind of push into that front leg where you're pushing out of that 
and then you lean back into that back leg to get more of a passive internal rotation stretch <laughs> breathe into that for a, a you know a breath or two and then lean forward and lift that back ankle off the ground while keeping that knee down that's going to really help you start to assess and then work on both internal and external rotation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so we're starting to to build the capacity of the range of motion of our hips. And again, this is this is going to address the root cause. This is getting back to why might my hips and my rotators be taking on more pressure? Maybe we're lacking internal range of motion. And a very functional way to find more internal range of motion is through standing. And one of my favorite ways is um, hip airplanes. And you could definitely use support when you're first starting hip airplanes. And we'll show again what this looks like on YouTube. But just to kind of break it down and explain it, you're you're kind of going into like a single leg deadlift position where your knees is, is bent a little bit so that it has some support. And you can hang on to something in front of you. And what you do is you let that hip drop in. So the, the hip that's floating in the air, you let it drop toward the inside of your thigh. And then you get this big stretch of your glute. And what we're doing is we're creating more internal rotation from how we're moving that pelvis on that femur. And then we rotate out the opposite way and we're creating more external rotation as we move that pelvis on that femur in the opposite direction. And so now we're getting more of like this functional range of motion rather than just, I, I love my hip 990, everyone who does it is obsessed with it as well. Mm -hmm. And so that's a great way to start to find that that range of motion in your hips alone. Now we take it to standing and do it more functionally. And we find this control of that hip um, through standing, through rotation, through movements that we're going to be doing in everyday life. I think like the hip airplane, my goal is always, and even through pregnancy, I'm doing it now, um, to be able to maintain and control my hip range of motion through its full capacity because when I internally rotate, I get a good stretch on my glute. And when I externally rotate, I get a good compression and strength of that glute. And my goal is to do it without any support so that I can support myself through my own range of motion in my hip. Yeah, I think that that airplane exercise is such a valuable kind of single leg exercise that's going to help you translate with that core stability to having great functional hip active range of motion in a loaded position mm -hmm. and then ultimately where we want to bring it after this is just adding load whether mm -hmm. that be through something like squats or deadlifts or lunges you know there's so many different variations of each of these um, that will cause your hips to be in different degrees of external mm -hmm. or internal rotation you know whether you're doing a squat just a, a standard squat goblet squat your, your feet are going to maybe be a little bit closer together um, versus something where you have a staggered stance where mm -hmm. one leg is going to be in slightly more external rotation, one leg is going to be in slightly more internal rotation. Or with lunges, you can do a curtsy lunge where you kind of bring one leg behind the other and that's going to help you come into more of an internally rotated position on that front leg that's taking most of the load versus a lateral lunge where you're going to be in a lot more external rotation. So again, these this is where we start bringing all these previous things that we have mentioned into a more functional movement that you might be actually using throughout the day mm -hmm. when you're getting down or bending down or, you know, reaching to the side. Yeah. And so all of these things, you know, eventually we want to start to even put dynamic load through the hip. And so, you know, we start with this very, how's our breath work? How's our internal core support? How is that nerve gliding through the tissues? 
And then how do we start to build in more mobility in order to load, strengthen, and maybe get back to doing things like jumping, single leg hopping, um, running, sprinting. You know, we want to be dynamic in life. And so our protocol for addressing something like a piriformis syndrome, yes, it might start off more basic and controlled, but it should go into loading. Load, load, load is our goal here anytime we're feeling some kind of pain within the body, especially this. And I think something that we mentioned last time on the podcast that I really enjoyed, you know, was just the reality check that they, they found that true piriformis syndrome, like truly just the piriformis is causing that sciatic nerve to, to create those symptoms was found in like 0.3 to 6% of the population. So when we break that down, it's it's not very much, right? So you might be having pain around your glute area. Again, let's maybe it's piriformis syndrome. Maybe it's not. But let's get back to all of these baseline things that we talked about yeah. and control our environment, sleep, water, hydration, so important. And that was only, I mean, that was only people who were feeling low back or hips or, you know, pelvic symptoms in the gluteal area. So yeah, it's such a small percentage of people. So rather than trying to blame the piriformis and attacking that one specific area, how do we focus a little bit more broadly on all the things that we can control to offload that area, make that area feel more strong, able, and resilient so that we can get back to the functional things in life that help us feel purposeful and meaningful and happy in our everyday day-to-day activities. Thanks for tuning in for another PT Pearl. Hopefully you learned something about that piriformis and how we can attack it by not just directly attacking the piriformis. If you're also looking for more tools and tips on how to address any issue hip related, we have an incredible hip plan in the Gen Health platform that you can get started on. You have a week for free. If you go to gen.health backslash free trial, we'll have that linked up down in the show notes get into that platform and start exploring. And of course, we will see you next time on the Optimal Body Podcast.